It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. And welcome back. So last week, we spoke to Jamie Kern Lima, founder of It Cosmetics, and she shared a ton of great advice. I really love how she embraced her authentic self, as she called it, and followed her dreams to create something to make everyone feel beautiful. And I hope that we can all find our authentic selves as we go on our journey. My guest this week knows authenticity and lives his very authentic life every day in his own way. When Fox News invited me to be on The Five, at first I felt inundated because I was still running my business and trying to do as many Fox appearances as I could on the side. Appearances on Fox were by far my favorite thing to do every day. But when I finally settled in, and when The Five became a permanent weekday show on the channel, I eventually let the PR business go. As soon as I did, I felt free from being pulled in too many directions. Waters is not only my co-host on The Five and the little brother I never had, he's also a dad to three children, a husband, a self-proclaimed mama's boy, and now an author. We talk about his great new book available now called How I Saved the World. He shares with me stories from the book, the great advice he's received throughout his career, and his thoughts on being the best girl dad he can be. Jesse Waters, welcome. Thank you, Dana. I loved this book. First of all, I just want to talk about this. And I, I, everybody knows I love books. I love to read. You make fun of me for reading, but I also think <laughs> you like secretly admire me for it. I do. Um, there was a, a Sunday uh, right before this book comes out that I am give, given a copy and I cracked it open. I thought, well, let's just see. I'll read this. <laughs> and I read the whole thing in a day. Oh, wow. I thought it was an incredible page turner. Thank you. It is Hilarious in parts, very insightful in parts. Thank you. There were times when I thought, oh my gosh, that's a great way to explain that. Wow. Um, I loved how you weaved in stories from your life and your experiences, of which there have been so many. And I I knew a lot. Of, I knew some of them yeah. just from all of our work together on The Five. But putting it all together was amazing. So we're going to talk about the book, but also um, some... I want to talk to you also about... Uh, being a girl dad. Okay. Because Bring it on. I feel I feel that girl dads are so important for the development of young people and your daughters are incredible. So well, thank you. Okay, first of all, I wanted to ask you about this. When I read the book, I felt like I know you as somebody who finds a lot of joy in life. And I wondered if you could just reflect on that because it comes through in the book to me. Do you feel that way yourself? I smile a lot, and you ask me about that because you say I tear up when I laugh. Oh, but that's that's just that's hilarious. That's, that's <laughs> and I'm so tearing funny. up right now because it's so nice to hear you say all those nice things. And I do enjoy life, and I try to look at the bright side of things. 
and I've been in situations that have been not so great. <laughs> like so, <laughs> the first chapter. Yes. We got to talk about this. Okay. The fact that your parents sent you to um, wilderness camp. Multiple. That's times. the kind of camps that you went to. And um, do I strike you as a wilderness guy? Not now, no. <laughs> Not but now. I loved all these things where you're just so honest about everything, too. I find the book extremely authentic. So, like, if you think you'd like to know more about Jesse Waters or you feel like you know Jesse Waters, because a lot of people do because they've watched you for years, you'll read this and just be extre- extremely – I found it charming, okay? Well, thank but you. But not charming in a superficial way. Good. Like, there's a lot of meat in here, too. But let's talk about this one thing about trying to look cool. Yeah, that was very important to me my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) And you try to look cool to impress a girl. Yes, obviously. During wilderness camp. Yes. I believe that was Oregon. And was her name Lauren? Lauren. You want to tell that story? So the camps my parents sent me to kept on getting scarier and scarier. At first it was like, oh, you know, two weeks at... You know, the mountains down in West Virginia. Then it became more about survival each summer, like how far you could push yourself, where they send you on to these solos. And a solo, for people that don't know, is the counselor will take you out in the middle of nowhere and he will give you a matchbook and maybe a knife and he will say, You're on your own for three days. If you actually. Right. If you get attacked by a bear, here's a whistle. That kind of thing. So I was out in the middle of nowhere, and I had really kind of fallen for this girl. It might have been the first time I'd had those feelings. And she was very beautiful, blonde hair, and I was trying to impress her. And it's hard to impress someone out in the middle of the woods. (laughs) There's really nothing you can do. You just have to use your charming personality, which I thought I had at the time. But I got really badly sunburned. Because I didn't listen to my counselor told me to put on lotion. And I had gotten so sunburned that my skin was peeling off my face. (laughs) And my counselor said, this is going to be a lawsuit when I come home with you because you look like the guy in – it was in the Indiana Jones movies where his face just (laughs) melts off. And so I said, okay. And I had only put – lotion on some of my face and again I'd gone to the solo and I'd gotten scorched so I returned from the solo and my face you know looked like a volcano had erupted on it (laughs) and I had not seen this girl who I was head over heels for in a while and my counselor looks at me after the solo and says, you need to put the zinc oxide all over your face. And the zinc oxide is the white stuff, the white goopy stuff yeah. that, that, that lifeguards use. It's and like, they usually just put it on their nose. It's not so, see-through. Right. It is white goop. And so I put it on my nose and I tried to put some designs on it to make myself look tribal. And he's like, no, 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 no. You have to put it all over your face. It was like being in blackface but whiteface. Okay. It was whiteface. So as I'm marching down to reconvene with some other people that had done the solos, some of my other <laughs> – I can't even call them cabin mates because there was no cabin. Some of my other people out there started throwing little sticks at my face. And it had stuck. And then flies had landed on my face and they had stuck. So – it was like an art project on my face, and I and I see her, and I and she's gorgeous. You know, she looks like she'd come out of you know hair and she makeup. She survived her solo just, and fine. she just looks at me as I approach her in white face with like 
pine needles all over it and, and wasps. And she just kind of, and I said, hey, Lauren, so great to see you. I missed you. And she just kind of slowly backs away from me. <laughs> Really slowly. There's that other part where the counselor told you to take your Ray-Bans off because you're in the whitewater raft. Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm cool. I'm fine. And sure enough, you get bounced out. You lose your glasses. And you thought the counselor was probably glad. <laughs> I, yeah. Do you ever get that feeling when someone hates you? Yeah. Right. You probably don't get <laughs> not, it a lot. Not too much. <laughs> but I got the feeling like this guy hates me. And <laughs> and he's been teaching me lessons. And I don't like that. And I, I felt like he enjoyed me falling off the raft into the class five rapids and losing my $200 sunglasses that I needed to impress Lauren. So with. then, so we talk a lot about mentoring and finding your first job or finding what you want to do and then climbing the ladder. Uh, you've had a fascinating career. Uh, you write about this one summer where, was it you quit three jobs and were fired from one or was it the other way around? It might have been the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got to Philly and I had some sort of internship in finance, and I got fired very quickly. I liked it how you said that you nailed the presentation, but not the follow-up question. So I could memorize the sales pitch perfectly and then regurgitate it. And one of the associates asked me one follow-up question. Like, what does relative value investing actually mean, Jesse? Crickets. <laughs> and you fell apart. He pulls me to the side and says, you don't really belong here, do you? And then they fired me very shortly after that. Okay, so let's go that fast forward then to your first job at Fox. Yes. And you, again, again in this story, you're pulling tape and you're trying to impress a girl. Was I trying to impress a girl? I, 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 think, well, <laughs> I may have been. Yeah. Candy, you mean? Well, can, did Candy not like you? Candy dotted her eye with yes, a heart. With a heart. Yes. I think she had a little bit of a crush on me. I don't know if the feeling was reciprocal. But there was a, at some point you were... At some point, she rolled her eyes at you because you were flirting with somebody else, yes. Potentially. Yes. Right. So, yeah, my job here at first was to – someone would hand me a tape of footage, and I was supposed to take a Sharpie, and then I was supposed to label the tape with the Sharpie, Reuters, Saddam Hussein getting hung, and then I was supposed to close the tape and hand it to someone else. That was my job. Is that when you worked with Lauren Fritz? That was before that. Wow, okay. That was pre-Fritz. Pre-Fritz, okay. Lauren Fritz listens to this podcast, so hey, Lauren, how's What's it going? What's up, Lauren? Um, I want to talk about your first interview with O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly. Yes. And then your first pitch meeting. So I got an interview with Bill, and he was doing the radio show, so I came up to a studio very similar to this. And in the commercial break, Bill comes out, looks at my resume, and then just looks at me and says, what's your father do? Like that was the key to everything. And I explained what my dad did and then Bill looked down. And I, I honestly think he totally started thinking about his radio show and forgot I was there. And <laughs> seconds passed. And then so I looked up and I said, Bill, I just read your latest book. It was amazing. And he snaps to attention and says, you seem like a smart kid. You start Monday. <laughs> so Monday comes Had around. I had read. Yes. Okay. All right. The only one at the time. And the Monday comes around, so we're at a pitch meeting, and everyone's pitching, and he is just demolishing these producers, calling them idiots, telling them if he accepts that pitch, they're going to wreck the brand. And it comes to me, and I start to pitch, and I'm nervous as hell. And he goes, interns don't pitch. Next. <laughs> and Tabakoff, my executive producer, said, Bill, this is Jesse. You just hired him on Friday. 
you know, he's your new production assistant. And Bill said, okay, go. What do you got? And I pitched something about some militia movement in New Hampshire. It was terrible. And then after the meeting, Tabakov brings me upstairs to his office and says, Bill does not think you're articulate <laughs> enough to make it in television. You have two weeks to turn it around. Mm. So I turned it around. And Great advice. There Sometimes you get that, right? When you're, cl- when you're just starting out, there's that one moment where it's like, wow, I better get my button gear here. I had my back against the wall. Or you make wall. a mistake along the way. But then I also wanted to ask you about this because I thought this was really great. Like, uh, We don't have enough time for us to go through the whole book. Obviously, I loved it. And so everyone should absolutely buy the book, How I Saved the World by Jesse Waters. So you can he- read all of these stories for yourself and learn a lot, but also laugh a lot. Um, but you did something, ended up doing something quite meaningful with the O'Reilly factor. And that was Jessica's Law. Yeah. Um, and tell us how that all began, because that was one of that was like the beginning. Was Jessica Lunsford was a six-year-old girl who was kidnapped and then held in a trailer for about three to four days and brutally raped repeatedly mm-hmm. by a convicted sex offender who was out, Jonathan Cooey, and there were three other people in that trailer with him. Then she was burned alive and buried in the ground, and. He should never have been out at the time because he'd already been convicted of child molestation. And so Bill sent me down to Florida to confront the three people that were with the sex offender in the trailer who swore that they had no idea a six-year-old was there for three days being brutally raped in a closet. Bill called them the slugs. So I went down to Florida and the swamp land and, and – I like this one detail. You'd been told you were tipped off that there was a dog. Yes, yes. So, so you bought. We, we what were, did you buy on your way? I bought a snossage. So I don't. I didn't like dogs. This was pre rookie. Yes, got it. And I was a little afraid of dogs because a dog had uh, almost tore my throat out when I was a child, or at least that's how I remembered yes. it. <laughs> and so we were told that this one slug lived in this trailer, and there was a dog. I was warned. So we bought a snossage, like a little Scooby snack, and the dog just starts chasing after me and I throw the Scooby snack. It eats the Scooby snack, gets distracted, and I run up on this trailer and confront this horrible woman. And we put it on the air that night and Bill told me to come on TV and that was the first time I was ever on as a guest. And I guess I did well enough. You had to stop at Walmart? And I bought an a outfit? blazer at Walmart and... You know, no offense to Walmart. I have not been back for clothing shopping at Walmart since then. But, yes, I had to scramble because all I had was a T-shirt down there. It's an amazing thing. But eventually, how many states passed what was uh, then to be called Jessica's Law? About 45 states after that passed some version of Jessica's Law, which said that if you are convicted of raping a child 12 or under, mandatory minimum sentence, 25 years to life because these people cannot be rehabilitated. You cannot give a judge discretion to give a child rapist probation because that's what was happening. Child rapists were getting probation by some left-wing judges. So we had to scare the bejesus out of the judicial system and judges stopped doing that. And we believe we saved a lot of lives that way. That's what they call impact journalism. Yes. Then is that one of the reasons why you feel so strongly about liberal prosecutors today? I don't like liberal prosecutors. I don't like DAs that that don't 
prosecute aggressively. And I don't like judges that give soft sentences to people that can't be rehabilitated. And we talk about this all the time on The Five. You get these guys. We said the other day there was a guy who was arrested 45 times, ended up knocking out an Asian woman cold, broad daylight in midtown Manhattan. Why was he out? There's no explanation. He should never have been out. But they have a process here that's garbage. We'll be back with more of this interview after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Bill O'Reilly was a great mentor to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if there are anybody you would consider now in your life playing that role. Because I was saying that for me, I had role models or mentors uh, all along the way. And when I was writing that chapter in my book called... Um, how to find a role model. I thought, well, who, who would I consider a role model today? It was kind of interesting to think about. I don't have any role models. So if anybody wants to mentor me that's very wealthy and successful. Maybe Bob Barnett. Yes, Bob Barnett, our agent, yes. um, has played that role in the past and, and keeps me on the straight and narrow. And he's a great guy. And, and we both love Bob immensely. He's great. But um, there is a guy who I, I do mention in my book, Peter Zion, who's a geopolitical analyst that writes a lot about how the world's changing. I love his uh, newsletter. You get that too? Yes, I do. Isn't it's it really great? Good. It's yeah, good. It's he's great. sharp. What's the best career advice you ever got? Well, my father always said just work really hard, and that's what I tried to do. Get in early, stay late, work really hard, be prepared, and things will work out. And also dress well. Yes, you talk about that here. I like to dress well and dress for the job. What do they say? Dress for the job you, ha- you, you, have. you want. Yeah, the, the one you want, not the one you have. Right. Um, you are the dad of twin girls, mm-hmm. Eliana and Sophia. Mm-hmm. Um, they are nine? Ten? Yes, nine. nine. I, I mean, I don't they want are, to say eight and offend no, no. anybody. We are in the now in the zone. It's nine and a half. Oh, okay. They'd go halvesies now. I got it. I got yeah. it. So um, how do you approach helping raise them to be you know, independent, happy, confident young women? Well, Emma and I just gave them a cell phone, but it's not their cell phone. It's our cell phone because we just got a place down at the beach and they are now given a little bit more freedom. And so they can't go cross the big avenue in town. They have to stay 
east of the avenue, but when they go out with their other girlfriends, they keep a little phone, and they check in if they're going out by themselves, and, the, and I think Sophia is just over the moon because she's big into technology. Ellie doesn't even care, but... You know, we try to give them a little independence here and there, and you know, they they dive through the waves, and they've gotten to gain more confidence that way. And I throw the football with Ellie and the lacrosse ball with Sophia, and they're both athletic in their own way, and super cute and adorable. And I think it must be interesting to raise twins. Difficult because they are, as you said, they they share a cell phone. Yes, right? <laughs> they share everything. They share everything, and they don't like to share everything. But they but they are quite different. They are. In personality. They are. Um, Eliana is a little bit more reserved, but not shy. But it's just Sophia is so bubbly and talkative <laughs> that Ellie kind of lets her little sister lead that way. But also Ellie is so tenacious and strong and mm-hmm. physical and athletic, uh, and they balance each other out. And, and Sophie is also very athletic and tall and a leader and social. That It's a great combo. I have friends that have 16-year-old identical twin girls. And one is quite the extrovert, and she's out, out and about. And they describe her as, it's always sunny in her world. Yeah. And then the other one is a little bit quieter, but she is watching all the time. And They're always cycle. watching. Yeah. So yeah. you have to watch what you do around them. Um, you talk in the book about, uh, I don't want people to think that there's not some meat in here about sort of current politics, where we are um, in terms of, uh, I guess, the ideological differences that we are expressing in our country. I thought one thing was pretty interesting is you talked about um, how you, in your opinion, and I think it's correct, that the left doesn't have a sense of humor. No. Like they can't see things that are funny that you no. could, like even you can laugh at things that, like a we, Republican or a conservative we, might do. We like, laugh at Republicans all the time. I, I mean, mean, there's plenty of material from everybody, There's plenty to laugh right? about out there. Yes. But the left tries to own the comedy space, and they don't like it when you turn the tables on them because they've understood how effective ridicule can be. I think I talk about the success of Jon Stewart and how he was able to just be so stinging in his mm-hmm. and biting in his analysis of, of the news and, and certain politicians and how effective that was in moving the needle on, on the political conversation. But when you try to do it as someone on the other side of the aisle, they don't like that. And they get very uptight about it. And they try to, sometimes you get canceled for saying what's a joke and what they would get away with as a joke. But Republicans aren't allowed to tell jokes because Republicans are mean spirited and they believe we have evil intentions. So our jokes are nasty and come from a bad place and they try to police our humor. And humor is not to be policed. It's just supposed to be enjoyed and by both sides. There's a great line in here where you're um, this is this is in How I Saved Christmas. Oh, God. And you're talking about the phrase illegal alien. Yes. And you're on campus uh, interviewing someone for Waters World. And you say, is the phrase illegal alien offensive? And she says, I prefer undocumented personally. You ask, what would you call a person that came into the country illegally? And she says, stranger. <laughs> and you ask, do you believe in borders? And she said, I wish the world didn't have any borders. And this is the kind of money line you get in Jesse's book. He says, first of all, if you didn't have any borders, how would you have the Olympics? <laughs> and second, who, who does the phrase illegal alien offend? But when I read that, like, if you don't have any borders, how would you have the Olympics? So I imagine you writing this book and you're writing along and you're just thinking. I almost feel like the thought bu- I almost see the thought bubbles 
I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to have the Olympics. So I had to go back and look at all these old videos that I did, and I think that was when I went to Big Sur, California. And anybody that knows that area, it's probably the most breathtaking place on earth. But it is filled with people who would call an illegal alien a stranger. A stranger. <laughs> and and these are the type of characters that I encountered throughout these travels, and I talk a lot about these these travels and these encounters with these wild people. And, and some of these people are, are just so out there. It's fun to interact with them. And they, they seem like illegal aliens to me. They actually seem like outer space type aliens. Did Bill O'Reilly ever send you someplace where you're like, are you kidding me? I have to go there. That wasn't like a fabulous beach. Oh, yeah. I mean, he sent me to the south side of Chicago. He sent me to, you know, places that you'd think weren't that sensational. Did you ever say no? I'm not allowed. Yeah, you just, you just said yes. <laughs> I remember a few times I was like, Bill, that's my father's birthday. He's like, okay. I remember one time um, we were having, we were dealing with this big issue at the White House in 2008, Christmas Eve. And we were, she, he was the lawyer. I was the PR person. We were both working that day because we had both told our staffs, yeah, you can go. It's fine. Like, we'll be fine here. Then we have this crisis on our hands. And Josh Bolton is not an observer of Christmas. Right. And he calls us into the office around noon on Christmas Eve. And I know that Bill has to get to his girlfriend's nephew's uh, Christmas pageant and it's two and a half hours away and he needs to get going or she's not going to you know, date him anymore. And at one point, Josh says, I, I, I look at Bill and I said, you know what? I think I can take it from here. I can call him on his cell phone. I got this um, because Bill needs to go. And Josh says, well, Bill, I wish you would have told us you had plans today. <laughs> I said, Josh, it's Christmas Eve. Everybody has plans today. Um, so one of the best parts of the book, and I admit that after I got about uh, two-thirds of the way through, I jumped ahead and read how I saved my mom's text. Okay. This is the, I think, is comedy gold. Because I responded to the texts. Right. So what your, your thing is, you don't respond to all your mom's texts Obviously, but they're coming in during the I show. I can't, Dana. It's you too can't. much. If you can't. So you respond here. And I think there's like 143 of these texts. My mom should get royalties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. There are 166 of these texts. So you and your mom have uh, this great relationship where uh, you disagree politically. You love each other dearly. Um, and she can she can just tell you, send you a text on whatever she's thinking. She sent me one the other day about, God, what was I going on and on about? Something with Richard Fowler. <laughs> oh, because Richard uh, said he read the bill. Right, and I said I didn't read the bill, but I knew what was in it. <laughs> That's like the Pelosi right. line. <laughs> but you ended up being right. I ended up being right. <laughs> you knew you were right, though, because what he was saying was right, crazy. Right. I come up a bit in this mom text chapter. You know, um, to my dismay. So it's funny. My mom and Dana have this funny relationship. I believe you guys even text each other outside of this. And my mom thinks you are the foundation of the five. <laughs> and if you are not on the five one day, the five is has veered off course. I feel that each of us has fans out there who feel that way about each of us. Sure. Right? Like, if, if you're not on one day, I can imagine somebody saying, oh, that's not going to be a great show. Right. If Greg's not there, it's like, oh, it's not worth watching. But for you, it's your mom. you are my mom's mom. favorite. I love these. Uh, there's a few. Let me just, let, let's just read one. Let's see here. I just had such a, got to kick such a, out of this. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. 
And number 39, stop it right now. You are being obnoxious to your co-host. Who are you? (laughs) I'm Waters, and this is my world, (laughs) is how you respond to your mom. Who Um, are you? This one, number 49, stop making sweeping and generalized and inaccurate statements about what Democrats are seeking. Note those who won the election on the issue just as reported by Dana. And you say, (laughs) stop citing Dana. (laughs) (laughs) She does. She Um, cites Dana constantly. Your mom kind of says, let Greg be the hysterical ranter. And you said... Great. Yeah. Go after Greg, not me for once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom, um, my mom had not has, she hasn't soured on Greg. I, I wouldn't say that, but I think Greg has really started to agonize my mother. And that's good because now I'm not the one. Doing okay. My it. last one on mom text is, um, it, and Jesse, no one watching television wants to see you pantomime peeing. <laughs> <laughs> Really, I do mean this, and I suspect your producers are in sync with me. Once again, you've caused Dana to cringe. And your response is, the show mustn't hinge on Dana's cringe. Yes. <laughs> Which rhymes as well. That's so funny. That was, uh, that was excellent. Um, since I've known you, uh, you have married Emma yes. and became a, a father to the cutest baby, Jesse Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, how do We talk a little bit on this show about finding a good and healthy work-life balance. And it's, I know it's hard with a newborn because there's everything's out of balance for a while, but how do you approach that? At, if you, Well, part of how I saved the world is how I saved myself. And because it is my world, as you know, Dana. Yes. So I had not gotten into a point in my life where I could have actually sat down and taken a year and written about my life. And the pandemic allowed that, but it wasn't just the pandemic. It was me getting married and finding a a happy place in my life where I could do that and reflect on this crazy career with the factor and at Fox and with my mother and my father and all this stuff. So I saved myself by writing this book and and in doing so, I saved the world. (laughs) But the balance, I think you and Greg are way out of balance. <laughs> I, I I think you guys are overworking, and not that I'm a lazy guy, but it it is all about the balance. And Jesse Jr. has given me a little bit of balance because I am waking up earlier, Dana, <laughs> maybe more on your schedule, going to bed earlier. And a child will do that, and a child will keep you young. So I'm very grateful for Jesse Jr. to be part of the world. And um, I guess I should just ask any final thoughts as we wrap it up here about uh, – where we are in terms of the five. We're about to have our 10th anniversary. I am so glad. I remember when they said you were joining. And even though we had to move to 9 p.m. for that, t- oh, that yeah. period, yeah. and which, you know, I'm usually in bed uh, about by 10. <laughs> I was like, 9 p.m., oh, my gosh. And they said, but Jesse Waters is joining. I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. And I was thrilled, and I've really, really loved working with you. Well, thank you. And I've loved working with you, and my mother also loves that I'm working with you. <laughs> And we have such a great team and there's great Great. chemistry and I think we're in a really great space right now. We're in a safe space on the five. Not so safe. (laughs) If it was safe, it'd be boring. That's true. It's a great space. The other day somebody said um, that we we should air the commercial breaks on Fox Nation. And I said, no, because then they wouldn't be fun. Right. Because then you wouldn't say anything. We have the loosest commercial breaks, <laughs> thanks to you and Greg. And, and Mostly it's Greg, who well, just I, says stuff, and you've keep, been keeping a list of stuff he says. I, and I put some of the things he says in the breaks in the book, and we had to run it through the lawyers. 
and they got taken out. And I ra- I ran it by Greg. Greg had to had pre approval. But I actually lost some things that I had written down, and I think that's good. It's probably because good. I think I'm. Prote- you had some doozies. I am protecting America from Greg, and I think I'm <laughs> protecting Greg from himself. Which is why we have a great world. Uh, the book is by Jesse Waters. How I Saved the World. I highly recommend this for your summer reading. Get it for your sons, your dads, your daughters, your grandmother. Um, anybody would really enjoy this book. So congratulations. Thank you, Dana. It's an honor. This is my first podcast. I'm so honored. (laughs) It was great. Thanks. Bye. As you can tell, I really loved Jesse's book. I read it cover to cover in one day, and I think you will enjoy it too. Next week, we sit down with Laura Cox Kaplan, author, advisor, and host of the She Said, She Said podcast. Laura shares advice from her decades of executive level experience in public policy and communications, but also some of the best advice she's heard from guests on her own podcast. I can't wait for you to hear that one. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.